it was the summer before lockdown. Um, my my patterns and my behaviours were becoming more and more chaotic. Um, my relationship with my husband was more difficult. I was struggling with work. I noticed that I was starting to get shakes. Um, so I was going into withdrawal in the mornings. I was throwing up every morning with anxiety. Um, so my patterns and behaviours, um, I ended up, um, hiding the alcohol and because I'd run out of places to hide the alcohol in the house I started doing it outside the house Welcome to the Tribe This is your weekly podcast from Tribe Sober Whether you're already sober, striving to be sober or just plain sober curious you need a tribe You need a tribe because it's so hard to do this alone You need a tribe because you need support and that's where we come in. Here at Tribe Sober, we've got your back. Here at Tribe Sober, we have people at all stages of the journey, all helping each other to stay on track. On this podcast, we've got recovery stories to inspire you, experts to inform you, and plenty of advice on how to ditch the drink and change your life. So here's your host, Tribe Leader, Janet Gorond. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Tribe Sober podcast, episode 134. My name is Janet Goron. I'm the founder of Tribe Sober, and I'm your host for this podcast. Here at Tribe Sober, we help people to change their relationship with alcohol and then to go on and actually thrive in their alcohol-free lives. And over the last six years, we've helped hundreds of people to do just that. Many of those people found Tribe Sober by coming to a workshop. Over the years, our workshops have evolved from in-person workshops to Zoom workshops, and we also offer an online version these days. Our next Zoom workshop is coming up on November the 12th, just four hours on Zoom. We limit those groups to 15 people, and we still have a few spots left. So if you'd like to find out more about the workshop, just go to tribesober.com hit our services and you'll see workshop there in the drop down menu. So let's get to this week's podcast guest. I met this week's guest in the online recovery community. Anth Parker had tried AA, tried rehab and smart recovery, but none of them really stuck. However, with hindsight, she realizes that she'd actually collected some gems of information from each one information and strategies which finally enabled her to come up with her own personal recipe for sobriety. These days she's happily sober, she's passionate about sobriety and loves to meet and inspire other people in the recovery space. I began by asking Anth to introduce herself. I'm 49 now. Um, I live in Dorchester in Dorset, UK. I've, I live with my husband, Simon, and my twins, Ellie and Finn, and my dog. I've been here for about 20 years. For work, I, I'm a technician, as a photography technician. I work with um, A-level students. So um, it's really lovely to be working with that age group in a really creative environment. That's really important to me. 
So, Anthea, let's dive into the drinking story, shall we? When did it all start? I mean, were you a teenage drinker like I was? Um, no, I wasn't, actually. Um, you might be surprised to hear that um, my 18th birthday party was uh, in a village hall and it was a big event. Lots of people came. I shared it with someone who was 21 at the time and I ended up driving everyone home. So, alcohol, I was stone cold sober. Alcohol wasn't part of my life. Um, I did try it. I was one of those people who I, I, I got known as a cheap date because one pint would <laughs> you know, finish me off. So um, no, um, I, came, I came to alcohol in my 20s. And um, when I went to university, um, I stood, went and did a degree as an occupational therapist, then started uh, in enjoying nights out, um, you know, meeting friends, very much a social social thing, and then um, and then um, I had a, a tricky time in my life, and um, I very quickly learned that alcohol can be used as a numbing agent. So um, along with feeling quite down in my life and um, and lonely, um, that's when um, I first I first. Um, used alcohol to kind of escape I didn't realize that was what I was doing and actually at that point in in my life I did have a little bit of counseling and I managed to turn the drinking around quite quickly from that um, very very quickly I put on a lot of weight um, I was feeling really um, feeling really low um, and I, I, I remember going and having a photograph for some ID I was doing um, a little job and I remember looking at this photo thing, not recognizing myself and I thought it's the alcohol and, and, and I stopped that was it um for quite some time um I might have gone back to uh, well I would have gone back to social drinking but I learned very quickly that it didn't suit me at that point and obviously things changed again later <laughs> So how how did it evolve? I mean, you're you're in your late forties yeah. now, and I know that I think you've been sober a couple of years. So talk to us about how it evolved in your thirties and early forties. Okay, so um, when I finished my degree in occupational therapy, um, my boyfriend, who's now my husband, uh, we both moved down to Dorset. Um, our, you know, life was open to us. We had a, a fresh start together. We both ended up um, in new new jobs in a new place. You know, life uh, was looking good. Uh, both had a new career. You know, the two of us moving away from sort of family, friends, to have this new start was very exciting. But alongside that comes, you know, having to build a new life. Um, working full time and a new career was quite stressful. So I kind of gradually, I think in terms of drinking, um, found that when I got home from work, it was it became a reward. Um, so I uh, opened a bottle of wine after a long day. I'd uh, have a couple of glasses and I think gradually just over the time it, you know as our tolerance increases it just kind of got more and more um, and you know this has happened over quite a long period of time so that was kind of like my 20s really um, my 30s 
I knew that I had a difficult uh, problem with um, alcohol um, in my late 20s. I did phone um, local rehab services or alcohol services, sorry, um, and, and said I'm really worried about my drinking because at that point I was on a bottle of wine a day. And, and it was really... Um, it was really strange because I, I remember that phone call. I was so nervous. You know how much courage it takes to pluck up to make a phone call? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. you know, that's that's the hardest step, I think. Yeah. Did, did you ever see that stat? You know, I talk about it quite a lot on my podcast, but there's a sobriety group in the US called The Tempest, and they did some research and they discovered that the average time that people take between accepting that there's a problem and reaching out for help is 11 yeah. years. And I think, you know, we're because we're so scared, just as you said there, you were so nervous and you remember it today. Oh, yeah. yeah so, sorry. No, that's all right. On. I can remember, you know, remember the room, I remember picking up the phone, putting it down and just like, can I actually say this? And um, the person who picked up the phone said, you know, how much are you drink? And I said, well, I'm on a bottle of wine a night. Oh well, you know that's okay. Just stop it. And 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 that at that moment, I was like, oh, uh -huh. oh well, that's okay then. <laughs> you know? And I knew it wasn't any good for me because I felt <laughs> awful. But I wasn't bad enough for alcohol services, so I thought, oh well, that's fine then. <laughs> mm. it's, um, I'm laughing, but um, you, you know, it's no joke. It gave me freedom to carry on you know because yeah and and it's been so normalized that I mean I, I had the same when I decided that I, I just couldn't do it anymore people said but you only drink about a bottle of wine a day everybody yeah. has a bottle of wine because I had kind of surrounded myself with drinkers anyway but yeah it's uh it's amazing that an alcohol service wouldn't think that a bottle a day is a problem. Uh, yeah. When you, when you think the recommended limits are a bottle and a half. Yes, them. exactly. It, it really shocked me. And uh, I would say it spiralled from there. I had my children at the age of 30. I had twins. Um, I'd started to build a little bit of a, a connection with people around you know from work but of course once I had the children you know this was I mean having twins I and mean, having having children is as any woman woman knows is so life-changing and I remember thinking around week 12 I thought I just I just want to stop breastfeeding I want a drink I need a glass of wine very very quickly that became it it just got worse and worse um Kind of, I mean, like you were saying a minute ago, the bottle of wine a night is normal for people, um, for a lot of people, you know. But we're we're talking about an, addic an addictive substance here, and um, you know, at that point in at that point in time, I I I didn't I didn't know. It, it just felt like you know I'm another I'm a mom. I deserve it at the end of the day. This is my treat, and I think this is one of the big. Um, problems is that when you know we see it as a reward and it's so glamorized and normal I think this is one of the the key sort of difficulties with you know accepting that the problems in our, our life we, we kind of I kind of found myself kind of brushing it over because I thought well you know this is normal <laughs> so 
Yeah, and you were you were in the mommy juice uh, phase as well, yeah. weren't you? I'm sure all the other young mums that you met were were drinking. Oh yes, away. yeah. I mean, you couldn't wait, could you, for the kids to go to bed and um, you know crack open a bottle? Or and then of course it changes. Um, you know, as they got older. Um, well, actually, um, I'll, I'll go back a bit, Janet, if that's all right. Yeah, because oh. um, I, I, I struggled a lot with um, having the babies and I think in retrospect my sort of spiral into um, depression happened after I had the children but I'm one of these people or I was one of these people um, quite quite headstrong and I often said to myself um, I don't need any help I remember the health visitor coming round and everything would be you know perfect for her visit the children would be dressed beautifully I'd say oh yes everything everything's fine I'm coping and the minute she went you know the curtains would be drawn and I'd be in tears it, it was really hard and then um, when the, the children were just about to go to school um, I had a, another a crisis in my life and um, I, I didn't realise that actually for some time I'd been quite depressed. I, I felt like I was walking through treacle a lot and it wasn't until I, I went to my doctor and um, he spent, he was so kind, he spent a lot of time with me. He didn't ask me about my drinking but he thought that I was um, struggling with the depression. So then I went on to antidepressants and... I was really hard on myself. Um, I wasn't keen on asking for help. Isolated myself more. My drinking was going up. Yeah, I'd say it's it it would would spiral. The drinking and the depression would spiral to the point where um, I ended up being hospitalised, not just on one occasion, on on several, and ended up. I would say it probably has taken me, it probably took me about five years to recover from that period of depression and, of course, the drinking as well. Oh, that that must have been tough. And, of course, if you were drinking, then the medication isn't as effective as it could no. be. So it's a bit of a double whammy. And, of course, alcohol is exactly. a person, as, exactly. as you now know. Yeah, and I know, you know, in retrospect, I know that now. And I would say to anyone who's, um, you know, struggling with de depression as well, anxiety, you know, alcohol is, it really is a, a killer for that. <clears throat> and in the end, um, as my drinking went up, the, I mean, I was, um, I was under the mental health services, like I said, for about five years. And in the end, they discharged me because um, they said, you have to stop drinking. I was like, well, I can't stop drinking because that's that's my one little bit of, um, you know, relief. That's, that's the bit that for me is, um, you know, giving me my time off from being depressed. <laughs> you know, my, and my mindset was, it just, yeah. I just all it was all place, over the place. So... It's so ironic, isn't it, when you think that just that little piece, you know, if you'd been able to ditch that, it would have changed everything. Yeah, 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 I just couldn't. I was just, um, it was, yeah, it just became, alcohol became a life, Janet. It was, it took over everything. Did you ever try to cut down? I mean, did you do dry January on challenges or did you just never consider I, it? I'd never... I'd never really come. I'd never really heard of Try January. I wasn't um, a social media person. I know it sounds nuts. I did go to AA, 
and I went to LA for a long time. I must have done at least 100 meetings. I had three different sponsors. I tried, but um, I just didn't get I just couldn't get it. What I think the big thing for me with AA, um, and I tried rehab as well, was I couldn't understand why people would want to embrace that lifestyle. I hated sitting around in a circle saying I was an alcoholic. I, it made me feel miserable and shame, ashamed. And I'd quite often come home and it would be a trigger to drink more. And it, it sounds bizarre, but and I, um, I came away thinking, they, they said in AA, if you, if there is a, really wasn't much hope. If you don't get AA, what else is there? <laughs> and um, so I felt like that for a very long time. I thought... You know, this is it for me. I'm probably gonna, I'm probably gonna die drinking. Oh, that that's really sad, oh. isn't it, Anthea? Because, I mean, I did the AA thing as well. It didn't work for me either. But uh, I think we're so full of shame mm. anyway about our drinking. You know, the last thing we need to do is to sit in a circle and brand ourselves yeah. alcoholics and and leave feeling even more ashamed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I tried that. I I did go for a, um, a detox as well. I'll just I'll go back again actually um, to AA. Um, in retrospect, I picked up an awful lot from it, and there's tools that, um, despite not getting it at the time, and I think this is a really important message um, for anybody who, you know, wherever you look for inspiration or hope on your journey at the moment, you know, if you're listening to these things, somehow they kind of go in, and at some point. You'll think, ah, oh, now I find that helpful. So no matter what you listen to or who you speak to, at some point, you know, don't dismiss anything. Stay open. You know, be curious about how other people do things. You know, keep listening because at some point you'll think, ah, oh, now I get it. That's going to work for me. I couldn't agree more, Anthea, because I th- I see it as kind of planting seeds. Mm. And just the other day, I, I had a message from a lady who'd come to uh, a workshop that I ran in Cape Town in 2017. And I'd kind of heard through the grapevine that she'd gone back to drinking. And I thought, oh, shame, you know, I've, I've missed an opportunity to help someone there. And then she emailed me just the other day and she said, you know, this is it. I'm ready oh, now. Yeah. <laughs> so it takes a while. And we need to think back to that 11 year kind of window oh. as well. I mean, when I first read that stat that it takes 11 years, I thought that's crazy. But then I thought about my journey and I was trying to trying and failing to moderate for yeah, 10 years. Yeah. So whatever's happening to you in that period, you're you're moving towards making making that life-changing decision. So yeah, I agree. I couldn't agree more. Just people need to listen and learn and be sober. Yeah, curious. just be open. It'll fall into place one yeah, day. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, and not sort of comparing. I think um, one of the things um, I, I sort of come across is... Um, you know, when we compare ourselves or say, oh, I'm not as bad as them, I don't think that's terribly helpful. But although um, comparing ourselves and, you know, and, and seeing people who inspire us, that is helpful comparison, I think, <laughs> because, um, you know, it, it, it motivates us to make the change. So, yeah, so back to, um, you know, kindness and uh, just having compassion for ourselves and just being gentle, you know. Addiction's really evil. 
You're listening to a podcast from Tribe Sober. Yeah, we, we've got to learn to kind of blame the alcohol, which is addictive, mm. rather than blame ourselves. Mm. You know, all we did was get addicted to an addictive substance. Exactly. We're not bad people. We're not broken no, people. No, no. Just... So let's get back to you, Anthea. How did how did you, um, you know, come to the eventual realization that things had to change? <laughs> It was the summer before lockdown. Um, my my patterns and my behaviours were becoming more and more chaotic. My relationship with my husband was more difficult. I was struggling with work. I noticed that I was starting to get shakes. Um, so I was going into withdrawal in the mornings. I was throwing up every morning with anxiety. Um, so my patterns and behaviours... Um, I ended up um, hiding the alcohol and because I'd run out of places to hide the alcohol in the house, I started doing it outside the house. I didn't have anywhere to go. Does that make sense? I, yeah, I felt, I felt kind of like um, I'd managed to trap myself in a, in a maze of chaos. Yeah, and I felt so unwell and so fed up with this hamster wheel. I thought, I need to do some research. What can I do? I know it's not AA. I know it's not rehab. And so I started looking online again. Um, my first port of call was hypnotherapy. Um, so I spent a few hundred pounds on that. <laughs> oh, that's very interesting because we've got our own hypnotherapist here at Tribe Sober and she's some a lady that came to a workshop yeah. and uh, she stopped drinking and now she offers treatments to people in our, our tribe so, and and we get fantastic reviews from her about her so that's really interesting yeah fantastic and I've, I've heard other people it, it, it's helpful for as well but it wasn't the right wasn't the right time for me so um so then I started digging a bit more and I came across um William Porter's book Alcohol Explained I read it and then I reread it and I was like oh oh my god this has made a change and it was reading that and um and learning about the science and knowing that it's an addictive substance I thought oh it just made me look at it in a different way it made me realize that you know this isn't a, um, a default of me I've become addicted to an addictive substance and that's where it changed I thought okay so I can look at this fantastic so in a way Anthea you left you let yourself off the hook didn't you yeah. and you could begin to heal yeah I, I don't know if that sounds a bit simple really but I wasn't berating myself anymore yeah. um I in the back of the book it said about face uh, there was a Facebook group oh, I couldn't believe it was, oh my goodness there's all these people and so many success stories and I was like it completely opened my eyes I was like these people are getting sober and then I started you know and loving life I thought now this is what I want yes please <laughs> yeah I started following on Facebook because I'd hidden from social media for a long time because of, again, comparing my, my life to others. And, um, you know, I thought, okay, so how do I do it? And I, I got myself a notebook and I wrote myself a plan. Um, I wrote down the reasons why I wanted to um, change my life. And um, I wrote myself a letter and I thought, I'm going to keep this. And if ever I think I want to drink again... 
I'll, I'll keep looking at it. In fact, I hadn't stopped drinking by then. I just kept rereading it every day. Um, and that was in the October. And then I got to my 48th birthday and I woke up that morning, uh, opened my eyes and thought, today's the day. Um, I wonder what it would be like to wake up alcohol-free, sober for a year on my 49th birthday. I thought, by hook or by crook, I'm going to try and now you know. Now, now you know. know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Can I just ask you? Can I just ask you a question about that letter because it interests me? Because uh, we have goodbye to alcohol letters. Oh. You know, we got loads of them on our website now. So, was it a goodbye to alcohol letter? What What did you say in this oh, letter? I'm just going to try and find my. Try and find it. Hang on. Oh, so this was, I wrote this to myself, I've dated it 5th of November, and this was the first day of the second lockdown. Dear Anne, this must end now. Today, you're in severe danger of doing long-term harm to yourself. Imagine carrying this on and how much you'll be, how much worse you'll be in six months to a year. Then I've written, seeing um, my family yesterday was wonderful we had a giggle um and had gorgeous food we, i got together with my family the day before imagine not being able to do these things because of alcohol killing you slowly i've written about my sister struggling as well that had a bigger yeah that's always had a big effect on me um and not being able to recall conversations and um i'd had a conversation with my mum i was incoherent the recycling, oh my goodness, the recycling was difficult. I felt dreadful, vomiting. And I've written to myself again, Anth, you have a beautiful family who love you. Why are you wasting time drinking um, and not being present for them? You are blessed that these evil days have not already killed you and stolen your health, family and home. And then I wrote, think of another person who I knew who died from alcohol and left behind a lovely young family. Now is the time to look in the mirror and accept that this drug is trying to take everything. You are loved. Start loving yourself. Be kind to yourself and do whatever it takes to brush this evil drug from your body and mind forever. Write every day. Imagine being free. Imagine being um, slimmer, clear-headed. Imagine being happy. Learn to take um, care of yourself like you deserve. This drug did this to you. Do it properly, one day at a time. Oh, it's giving me goosebumps. <laughs> oh, me too, me too. Beautiful letter. And it, it did the trick. Did you used to read it quite often during your early sobriety? Because yes. they're not easy, those early No, days. I did. Um, I had my list of whys, um, yeah. which, um, you know, I still look at now. And, um, you know, it's, they've changed now. You know, my, my list of whys now is why would I want to go back? <laughs> you know? Exactly. Yeah. yeah, it's it's fascinating how our whys evolve over the years, yeah. isn't it? But yes, yes, I, I think my why would be why yeah. once you've got to the other side. Yeah. Oh, that's lovely. And I love the way you paint uh, a vision of how your life could be, you know, when you keep saying imagine and imagine. Mm. And now, now that's a reality for you, which is wonderful. Yeah, yeah. So tell us your top Top three benefits of sobriety, top of your head. What would you say? What would you pick? Oh, crumbs. The freedom from being released from the chains of 
the daily slog of addiction. It's got to be the freedom. Yeah. Um, you know, not to have that compelling drive every day. Now that's gone. It's a, just a relief. It is like a weight. A weight has been lifted. The connection. You know, there's that saying, isn't there? Connection is the opposite of addiction. I've now got a really wonderful um, network of friends who, some of whom I've only met through Zoom because they're all around the world, um, and some I've met in my day-to-day life um, through travelling and meeting up and connection to myself. So, you know, I've learned to um, to listen to what um, I need, and and that in turn has had an impact on my relationships my family it's had an impact on my self-esteem my mental health is much better I'm being creative again you asked for three didn't you and I'm rambling on (laughs) (laughs) yes but well it's excellent you're making the point I mean and I love all of them I love what you said about connecting with yourself Mm. you know because it's it's as if we get in touch with who we really are for the first Mm. time in in decades you know it's a journey of self-discovery it is it's um, amazing and in turn as you said that helps you uh in your relationships with uh, with other Mm. people well I'm so glad that you've you've done this thing and you're so happy and you've got this lovely network and you know I feel the same way as well we we just get each other don't we us us sober people because we've been through the same struggle and we've come out the other side yeah it's a magical oh yeah it's just a magical instant connection with people isn't it you know and like you say emotion our emotional intelligence as you say emotional resilience or yeah just all of it and it very quickly changes what surprised me is that um once you put down the bottle and get through those first few months it really quickly changes into um that self-discovery doesn't it Mm. yeah and I think once those benefits keep start coming in uh your motivation then comes from inside you know because when I stopped drinking I knew I had to for my health but I was expecting it to be a long and lonely and dreary path but you know it turned out to be the opposite of that but um you know just getting through those months and then when you start to feel good you feel good you look better you you get your creativity back and then all those things drive Mm. you internally Mm. don't they because you think well why would I give up feeling great (laughs) why would I want to be go back to having the shakes and vomiting before I I know it's extraordinary isn't it yeah and I think we talked a bit before we went live about how, how some people just get stuck because they're they're so afraid of what they're going to lose if they ditch the booze. Yeah. And the crazy thing is, we we don't lose anything except bad stuff, and we gain so much more. So, and it's it's amazing when and you you were in that place, and I was mm. in that place. You just think, but I can't give up. Yes, yeah. you know when you said after the the depression and you came out of hospital, and they said now you should stop drinking, and your first thought was. But that's that's my only pleasure. Yeah. I mean, that's what yeah. you're thinking, yeah. isn't it? So it's it's just mad it's the, way, just mad. the way it traps us. And and you're so right that it's freedom. It's total yeah. freedom. You know, it's freedom. It's relief. And it's yes, peace. peace. Yeah. 
So uh, can we talk about postcards? Yes. <laughs> we can. So <laughs> go on then. Tell, tell me about the postcard okay. project. I'm intrigued by this. So um, it was inspired because um, I stayed very clear of social media. And um, when I discovered that Facebook can be such an extraordinary, life-changing, um, positive community um you know i think people don't still don't believe me that you know there's life-changing stuff going on in facebook <laughs> and um so i asked my friends who i'd made to um send me postcards with their inspiration uh in the hope that I would take them out into the world, put them in the streets and sing it from the rooftops. <laughs> just, I was just like, I have to get this message out onto the streets and let people know that people like me who steered away from social media, let them know that there is a glorious um, circle of people recovering out there it doesn't have to be AA you don't have to go to dusty church halls and sit around feeling shameful you can do it another way so I asked my friends and um, yeah they sent me absolutely gorgeous postcards so yes I take um, take the postcards out um, I have hung them in the local park um, I've taken them to busy places I've taken them to Hyde Park in London a few times and um, yeah it's just to raise a, it's just my little way of sharing a little bit of the knowledge that um, you know the, these groups are out there uh, I think that's a great idea just to to be out on the street. I mean, it takes I always say to people, it takes courage and confidence to do this thing, you know, just to to cope, you know, in a busy bar when everyone's teasing you about not drinking, blah, yeah. blah. But you've taken that that courage and confidence to a whole different level, you know, standing on the street in in Hyde Park with all your postcards. And what kind of reaction? Do oh you get? my goodness, it's so positive. Um, I've I've had people write to me saying it has um, it has changed. Um, change things for them but you know what what's extraordinary is that I meet so many other sober people they when I'm out on the streets they're like oh yeah I don't drink either I'm like okay well and I've made friends um, who come up and see the postcards and you know we're connected now through the groups and yeah. and it, it's just brilliant the network just gets bigger and bigger we're all out there <laughs> You're listening to a podcast from Tribe Sober. If you'd like to join our warm and welcoming community, just head on over to tribesober.com and hit the membership tab. That's www.tribesober.com. So did your fabulous Facebook group, the Sober Inspiration Project, develop from these pod, uh, postcards? Yes. So as a way to um, encourage people who've seen them um, in the streets, um, I wanted to encourage people to come and have a look at them. So I've got this, I made a website, which I'm still, um, still feels like early days for the website. Um, so what I do, I put all, I put all the postcards onto Facebook um, with all the beautiful messages on them um, so that people could see them there and read them. But, um, and then, 
I also put them onto Instagram and that instantly gets fed through to the website. So you can, so any, no, people don't have to be on Facebook or Instagram to be able to see, see them, which is lovely. Do you know what I'd really like to do, Janet, is um, open the post office box for a month before Christmas, um, maybe sort of October, November, and kind of just like reignite it for a month um, so that people can, um, you know, spread um, or share their tips about sober Christmas. Yeah, I think that's a great idea. So just, you know, get in touch, involve me in that and we'll, we'll help. So, Anthea, if someone's listening to this and they're in a, a dark place like we both were some time ago and they can't imagine how they could do this, they just don't know how to get started. Because these days there is a lot of advice out mm. there, but one can feel overwhelmed by that. So yeah. what would you say to them? My first thing would be to say um, change doesn't happen overnight. Be super gentle and kind to yourself I remember looking in the mirror which was a very very difficult a very difficult thing to do but when you look in the mirror and just like open yourself to honest you know to honesty um ask you know what what do you want for your life there's so many beliefs around alcohol that you know aren't true ask people Go to a Zoom and or ask people who have got a sober life. Ask them questions. Ask them how they did it. You know, there isn't any right way of approaching sobriety. We all write our own stories. And I think once we once we get through that very short period of putting down the bottle and then realizing this is about taking care of ourselves you know this is um we only have we have one life i feel very very blessed to have found a community to help me realize that you know we we we're, we're not meant to be alone in this world we're meant to connect aren't we we're social creatures and by sharing, by being vulnerable. Yes, it's scary. Of course it is. But, you know, be brave. Be brave and shout for what you, you know, shout for what you want. Thank you for the share, Anth. And I love your postcard project. Let's pull out some key points from that conversation. Anthea didn't drink much as a teenager, but during her 20s she began to use it to cope with difficult times and found she needed a drink when she got home from work. As she moved into her 30s, she became aware that she had a problem and she was drinking a bottle of wine every day. She did call alcohol services and ask them for help, but she was just told to cut down as they didn't think she had a serious problem. My take on that is that if your drinking is on your mind, then you do have a problem. You need to take action. It's not about being an alcoholic or waiting to hit rock bottom. It's about ditching a toxic substance that's preventing you from living your best life. In her 30s, Anth had twins, so of course was drawn into the mommy juice culture with all the other moms. She suffered from postnatal depression, but worked hard to hide it. 
She managed to convince her health visitor that her motherhood experience was perfect, when in reality she felt like she was walking through treacle, as she puts it. Her doctor put her on antidepressants, but her depression continued and she was in and out of hospital. She had to quit her job as an occupational therapist. During her treatment, she was told that she'd have to stop drinking, which horrified her as she saw alcohol as her only respite from depression. Of course, these days she understands that alcohol is a depressant itself, and in addition it was probably stopping her antidepressant meds from working. So she went to AA, she went to a hundred meetings, and had three sponsors, but she still didn't get it, and she hated having to label herself as an alcoholic at the meetings. But in retrospect, she did pick up some tools there, and gradually they became helpful. It was like planting seeds. Her advice to people is to listen, to read, to talk to people and to be curious, and it will all fall into place eventually. I also love the concept of planting seeds, and we see that in Tribe Sober. Some people find us and dive straight into their recovery. But others stay on our mailing list for years, then they do a challenge, then they do a workshop, and finally they join us as members. The membership program seems to be the last piece in the puzzle. Joining our membership means that you're mixing with people who have managed to quit alcohol and now they're thriving in that alcohol-free life. So you get inspired. You want what they've got. Anthea talked about comparisons and how they can be good or they can be harmful. Yes, compare yourself with the sober people that inspire you, but don't compare yourself with a hardcore alcoholic and start thinking, well, I'm not that bad. Better to compare yourself with the best version of yourself that you could possibly be. Things got really bad for Anthea just before lockdown. She was shaking in the morning, hiding alcohol in the house and in the garden. She was fed up of being on the hamster wheel, as she calls it. The hamster wheel of drinking which traps us and means that we never make any progress in our lives. Her turning point came when she read Alcohol Explained by William Porter. She loved the science and she read it over and over, finally realising that this wasn't her fault she'd simply got addicted to an addictive substance. She joined the Alcohol Explained Facebook group. She listened to podcasts and discovered the online recovery movement. She loved all the sharing and realised that she was not alone in this. She wrote a letter to herself, which she read out every single day. She was still drinking at this point, but she was listening and learning and her subconscious mind was preparing for action. So we say to people who join Tribe Sober, keep drinking if you're not ready, but start doing the work. Listen and learn, read the quitlet, come to the Zoom meetings, and gradually you'll be inspired by the members who are sober and who are loving their alcohol-free life. You'll start wanting what they have. On her 48th birthday, Anthea decided to quit. She was ready. It was time. She got a notebook, she wrote a plan, she had her why list, she'd done lots of prep and she was ready to go. The benefits of sobriety for Anthea include freedom. She feels that she's been released from the chains of addiction. Such a relief not to have that compelling urge to drink every single day.
Her second major benefit has been connection, to connect with others and herself, to learn to listen to herself and get in touch with who she really is and what she really wants out of life. We agreed that once you put down the bottle and get through those first difficult months, things start changing quickly and we embark on a journey of self-discovery. And that's why we say here at Tribe Sober that we help our members to quit drinking first and then we help them to discover who they really are and how they can thrive in their sobriety. We talked about how people get stuck in their drinking because they fear they're going to lose out, whereas in fact they're going to gain so much. We talked about Anthea's Sober Inspiration Project, which began when she was clearing out her attic one day. She came across some old postcards and she decided to ask the people in sobriety groups to send her a postcard with a sobriety tip on each one. What better way to get advice than to ask people who are succeeding? Within six months, she'd received about 100 postcards. Her goal was to raise awareness about sobriety, as well as to show people that AA was no longer the only gig in town. She laminated her postcards and she took them out and about. She took them to the streets and she hung them in the trees. She even went to Hyde Park. Her goal was simply to raise awareness and she met so many sober people who came to talk to her and said, I'm sober too. Anthea is now planning to reopen the Sober Inspiration Project in the run-up to Christmas, so please send her a postcard with your top tip on it. She's got a Facebook group called the Sober Inspiration Project as well as a website with the same name. I'll put the links in the show notes. So let me end with a member message from one of our chat rooms. The majority of our members are ladies, but we do have about 40 guys. We've even given them their own chat room. I've picked a message out of there for this week. So this message is from Brad, who's getting married in a few weeks' time. This is what he said. I just came back from a three-day bachelor's party with a mixture of oaks from Edenvale and Bloemfontein. If anybody had less than a bottle of brandy a day, I would be quite surprised. They chain-smoked the whole time as well and recovered in the mornings with Grandpa and rehydrates. I told all 30 guys about my eight months alcohol-free and drank Coke Zero and water the whole time. Well done, Brad. That is amazing. What a challenge that must have been. So that's it from me. Don't forget to check out our workshop, which is coming up on the 12th of November. And if you're listening to this podcast way after that date, just go to tribesober.com, click on our services and workshops, and the date of the next one will be on there. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll be back next week. Ditching the drink is like climbing a mountain. It's hard, it takes courage and grit, and an experienced guide. And that's where we come in. Here at Tribe Sober, we've climbed that mountain, and we know the view from the top is amazing. We've used our experience to put together a unique membership program that will support you all the way. We've got challenges, chat rooms, sober buddies, trackers, and milestone awards, and that's just for starters. So head on over to tribesober.com and check out our membership program. It's the essential resource for anyone looking to ditch the drink and change their life.